Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. This is the Tom Hartman Program. And greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth, and justice, believers in peace, freedom, and the American way. Tom Hartman here with you. It has become kind of an article of faith in the American media that the current insanity of the Republican Party is being driven by Donald Trump. That down in Texas, when the Republicans got buffaloed by the Democrats, refusing a quorum. I'll just very briefly explain this. We have the same situation here in Oregon. You have to have a quorum. The quorum is set, I believe, as two-thirds. Sometimes there's 60%, sometimes there's 70%, whatever. The, the quorum requirement can be established. Sometimes there's 50% can be established or typically is established in the Constitution or as law. And what a quorum means is there's enough people now present that we can do business. If we don't have a quorum, if we don't have enough people present to do business, then we can't vote on anything. We can't do business. And what's happened here in Oregon now for two years in a row is that whenever the Democrats want to pass a particular piece of legislation that they have plenty of votes to pass. Democrats have major majorities in the House and Senate here in Oregon. The Republicans just walk out. In some cases, they even leave the state. They hide. And, you know, the result of that is that legislation that Republicans don't like doesn't get passed. So this has been going on for a couple of years here in Oregon. So now it's, this is what happened in Texas over the weekend. The Republicans proposed a law that said, we can pick a district, let's say a black part of Houston, and we can decide that we're going to cut in half the number of uh, voting polling places. And in those polling places, we're going to cut in half the number of voting machines. So the lines are going to go from three hours to 10 hours. And then if you're still in line at 9 p.m. and that line may stretch for, you know, four or five hours worth of voting, you can't vote after 9 p.m. So first we're going to create long lines. And then secondly, we're going to say to people who are still in line at 9 p.m., sorry, you can't vote. It just is not going to happen. And the Republicans are trying to pass this law that would also criminalize a lot of other behavior 
uh, you know, like signing your uh, signing your voter uh, your ballot uh, illegibly. And I mean, it was just it was just bizarre. Throwing criminal penalties for poll workers, for uh, voters, and for people who are working to, to get out the vote, putting criminal penalties in all three of those categories. And the Republicans had the votes to pass it. But the Democrats walked out and they said, we're going to deny you a quorum. Okay, so that's what happened. Now, the narrative around this is that that's happening because of Donald Trump's big lie that he actually won the 2020 election and that, you know, even Republicans in Texas and in Georgia and Arizona are lying to you that Joe Biden won. In fact, what the Republican Party is doing right now they may do, be doing maybe a little more rapidly and a little more enthusiastically with a boost from Donald Trump. Because Trump wants this stuff in place for 2024 so he can run for president again. And frankly, Josh Hawley, Tom Cotton, Rick Scott, Ted Cruz, Rand Paul, any other right-wing fascist who wants to run for president in 2024, they want it in place too, just in case they lose the election but want to be able to claim that they won the election. See, pretty straightforward stuff, right? So the narrative in the media is that this is all Trump. That uh, Trump is the one who caused this. And we need to blow that narrative up. Eric Bullard is uh, writing about this. Uh, he's got a great newsletter, by the way. It's called Press Run. And uh, you can easily find it. You know, it's a, it's a subscription newsletter. There's a free version and a paid version. And, and he writes, this grip narrative is nonsense and it needs to stop. The Republican Party no longer adheres to the tenets of democracy. It is determined to per permanently wound free and fair elections. Republicans are doing this because they want to, not because they're quivering at the sight of Trump, writes Eric Bowler. Emphasizing the idea that fear of Trump risk, is motivating Republicans risks misleading people about the true nature of the threat posed by the Republican Party's ongoing radicalization. Now, this is not an idea that Eric Bollert first came up with. First of all, it's simple reality, and you can just look around and see that ever since the Reagan Revolution, Republicans have been working to defeat democracy. In fact, you could even go back to the Nixon election and see that this has been you know, an effort to defeat democracy. I don't know if I've got my LBJ clip here. Oh yeah, I do, here it is. This is 1968, LBJ learning that Richard Nixon is trying to blow up an election by cutting a deal with the South Vietnamese. Hey, if you just you know, don't go along with LBJ's peace deal, which he had negotiated in August of 1968, which would have helped Hubert Humphrey, the vice president, get elected president. He was running against Richard Nixon in 68. That if the South Vietnamese would go along with that, that Nixon would make them rich, right? And the CIA wiretapped this and handed the wiretap off to LBJ. And here's what he had to say to Everett Dirksen, the most powerful Republican in America at the time. Here's the latest, latest uh, information we got. The agent says that uh, she's just, they just talked to the boss in New Mexico. Uh -huh. And that he says that you must hold out. Just hold on until after the election. We know what you is saying to them out there. Yeah. We're pretty well informed on both ends. 
Now, I'm reading their hand, Everett. I don't want to get this in the campaign. That's right. And they oughtn't to be doing this. This is treason. I know. I know. It's treason. So, you know, Republicans have been running this scam. I just got Abul Hassan Bani Sadr's book yesterday. I had to buy a used copy because it's out of print. And I think it's called My Turn to Speak. Bonnie Sauter was the president of Iran in 1980. And his book is about how the mullahs, the ayatollahs in Iran, had cut a deal with Ronald Reagan and his campaign to hold the American hostages so that Jimmy Carter would lose the election. So you've got Nixon committing treason with a foreign government to win an election. Then you've got Reagan committing treason with a foreign government to win an election. And, you know, I could go on. I'm going to stop at that point because basically what the Republicans are saying now is, you know, we don't need to commit treason with foreign governments. Well, obviously, you've got Trump committing treason with a foreign government in 2016 to win an election. But now they're just saying, hey, you know, we don't need to count the votes. So, you know, this law in Texas that would have said, hey, you know, if the line is 9 p.m. that cuts off. The other provision of the law that nobody is pointing out, or very few people are pointing out, is that election judges could simply say, you know, I think there was some fraud in that black ward over there. We're not going to count their votes. We're just not going to count their votes. We're going to declare the election for the Republican. This law would give them the power to do that. With no audit, no proof, no nothing, just, hey, the election judge can say this, and the election judges are appointed Republicans. This is not Donald Trump. This is deeply embedded in the GOP, and it goes back to 1960 friggin' eight. As, as you heard, the president of the United States, Lyndon Johnson at the time, speaking with the, with the leader of the Republicans in the United States Senate, Everett Dirksen. So let's just stop this whole Trump's making the GOP crazy stuff, huh? This is the Tom Hartman Program. GOP was already plenty crazy before Trump came along. They just, you know, hey, hey, you know, they're embracing him. The second topic I wanted to get into is this whole myth of a good guy with a gun. And I want to give a tip of the hat to Dr. RJ over at uh, dailycoes.com because whoever Dr. RJ is for the community contributors team community wrote one hell of a piece over the weekend titled A Myth of a Good Guy with a Gun Relies on People Believing the Worst About Humanity. And it is so true. When are we going to abandon this macho fantasy? Now, let me predicate this by saying that I enjoy Bruce Willis movies just as much as the next guy. And I say guy as in man, because I think that um, these revenge fantasy movies, which is the genre that Bruce Willis is brilliant at, uh, but not just Bruce Willis. I mean, you know, with Clint Eastwood is another example, you know, with the Dirty Harry movies. These are revenge fantasy movies. And they always involve a gun. In fact, they usually involve a lot of guns. And they always involve, you know, a guy who has been harmed and or threatened and now he is fighting back and he's using his gun to take on truly evil people you know, Charles Bronson you know in Death Wish I mean all, all of these they're all basically the same movie and more often than not at least up until the last few years it was a white guy with a gun going after people of color 
for a while after 9-11, they were all Muslims. Before that, they were usually black or Hispanic. Now we're back to, now, now occasionally it's white, you know, bad guy, white guys, right? But, you know, I mean, we, we even racialized this myth from John Wayne forward. And it needs to stop, right? I mean, this is crazy stuff. And, and it's being driven in part by this fear of crime, which is being hyped right now by the Republican Party. Yes, crime has bounced back up again. Surprise, surprise. That happens, right? Especially when people are no longer in a pandemic. Uh, there, there, there are a whole bunch of reasons for this, and that's, you know, I don't, I, this is not the time or place to get into that. It's a, that's a different you know, program or a different uh, segment on one of my shows and one that I do want to get into. I, I would like to get an expert on crime in here to talk about this. But, you know, people read these stories about crime going up and they go, holy crap, I need to get a gun. Right. Because, you know, remember Bernard Getz, if you're old enough, Bernard Getz was a guy who shot a black man on the subway in New York. He had an illegal gun and he became a folk hero. Right. You've got that. You've got the cop shows on TV. You've got all this white anxiety. You know, it's, a, you know, white flight, everything else. In 2017, Pew did a poll of gun owners and they found that two thirds of the people who own guns said that they they have them for personal protection. Which can be easily dispelled. If you own a gun, the odds of your ever using it to protect yourself are vanishingly small. They are less than one percent. Fewer than 1% of gun owners ever use their gun to protect themselves. But the probability that, some, that a child in your house will be shot by accident explodes, becomes much, much higher. The probability that a suicide will happen in your house increases 500%. And the price that the, pro, the probability that an accidental death will occur in your house goes up several hundred percent. So people buy guns for protection and end up more often than not being hurt by those very guns. It's a fantasy. Three quarters of the people in that 2017 Pew poll said that the gun was essential to their freedom. Right. And this is just this, this dark fantasy that is being promoted by people like you know, Fox News going, Antifa and Black Lives Matter are coming to you, coming to the suburbs. They're coming after us all, all, all us white people. I mean, Justice Anthony Scalia, honest to God, cited Jack Bauer. Jack Bauer is a fictional character. This is what Scalia said. Jack Bauer saved Los Angeles. He saved hundreds of thousands of lives. Are you going to convict Jack Bauer? Say that criminal law is against him? You, you have a right to a jury trial? Is any jury going to convict Jack Bauer? I don't think so. So the question is really whether we believe in these absolutes. And we ought to believe in these absolutes. You know, message to Scalia in the great beyond, Jack Bauer is a fictional character. He doesn't exist. And yet this fantasy continues. I mean, you know, this is Tucker Carlson reacting to Derek Chauvin's uh, uh, conviction. We must stop this current insanity. It's an attack on civilization. It will lead to societal chaos and mob violence. Right. So get your guns, white people, right? I mean, that's the message.
And it's all it's doing is killing more white people. Tony in Fort Worth, Texas. Joyce says you are a good guy with a gun theorist, but a thinking one. What? Yes, this is true. I'll be as brief as I can. My mother taught me gun safety when I was six years old, maybe sooner. So I've known from an early age to respect the gun as a weapon and to respect the life that it can take. And with my job now being in transportation, I am one of those that say, yes, I carry for protection. Right. That being said, I am licensed. I am trained. I have jumped through every hoop the state of Texas has demanded. I salute that. you, Tony. I am not calling for disarmament. I, I you know, oh, there, know, there are people out there who want to, who, you know, I, <laughs> there are out there people out there who want to kill you. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm going right down that road. Um, the fact of the matter is that if, in the United States, it is, in, you know, in most places in the United States, it's legal to own a gun. And if, if, but my point is, go into it with your eyes open. Understand exactly. that you are putting yourself, you are putting your family, you are putting your children, you are putting your neighbors and your neighborhood at risk by having a gun in your house unless you properly store it and properly use it. And with that, I do agree. And when I, when I say I'm a thinking person, that also means, you know, if there was a, an active shooter situation, I'm not going to be one of those that rips open my shirt, shows the S on my chest and jumps up with boom, 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 because I'm 51. I've grown up with all of those movies, the violent video games that get blamed. But, you know, Tony, if, in fact, time, if I could just I add to that, because we've got a yeah. little time here, we can talk about this. Um, <laughs> okay. When Gabby Giffords was standing in front of a, a shopping mall, in front of a store in a shopping mall, and you know this guy pulls out this uh, semi-automatic weapon with a giant clip and starts shooting and kills a seven-year-old girl. You know, I don't recall if he maybe he didn't kill her, but he shot her, um, killed right. as I recall seven people. Uh, it's been a lot of years. Um, shot Gabby Giffords in the head. There were two people in that crowd who had weapons on them. There were two and people. one of them was, I believe, was uh, either a former police officer. That's correct. Or That's correct. Right. He was a, he was a former cop. Neither one of them were the ones that saved the day. The guy who saved the day was a 71 year old man who happened to be standing near the shooter. Who, when the shooter started to reload, tackled him and brought him to the ground. Because right. because Which, if you've got a gun and there's a crowd, <laughs> you don't start shooting. Because the good, because the other good guys, being law enforcement, when they arrive on the scene, they don't know who to shoot. That's or, well, there's that too, but also because no. you just may shoot the wrong person. Guns are not that exactly. accurate. And with that being said, I think this comes back to something that you and I both would agree on when you bring up, I believe his name was Jarrett Lofner, the shooter at the uh, Gabby Giffords meeting. I am a firm believer a very firm believer and not just the what the uh, thorough background check. I am actually in favor of like some sort of a mental evaluation for you know to to, to buy a gun because yeah. I have been in quite a few places. A lot of the big chain sporting goods stores and I'm sorry, I mean I'm a firm believer in every person that needs a gun should have a gun, but I, you know, I'm sorry. I don't want someone that's standing in either in line in front of me or behind me 
not just talking political, but talking to people that aren't there. And yeah. in the state of Texas, anyway. Well, this is what just happened in your state. They just they just legalized yeah. uh, concealed carry for all persons. And I am like I am like the police in that matter. I am against it. I mean, yeah. I, and most people know, don't realize that cops are against you know all these guns. Most people don't realize exactly. that. Every you know pretty much every police department in the country is is you know on record and, and in many cases very outspoken about the fact that you know this is and this is out of control. This the, it is. I just wanted to jump in and kind of clear yeah. that up. No, you did a you did a great job, Deborah in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Hey, Deborah. Hi. Um, you know, Michigan's a concealed carry state too, and I and I have to say I'm. I'm almost more afraid of these white guys with guns than any black person I ever met. And I have a story of a kid that I knew from the time he was a kid until he grew up. And he and this other person got into a road rage situation. They both pulled out their guns and shot each other dead in small town Ionia. Oh now, if that God. can happen in a small town, it can happen anywhere. And I think that not only is mental health a problem, but people, i.e. men, ability to control their anger right. is a... Uh, yeah, I don't see this as a mental health issue anywhere near as much as I see it as a toxic masculinity issue. <laughs> I totally get what you're saying, Deborah. I totally get it. Deborah, thank you for the call. Thanks for the story. Wow, I own you, Michigan. I, you know, there, there was a, a Goodwill or a uh, uh, some kind of a secondhand shop that my parents used to take me to in Ionia. Salvation Army, yeah, probably. Anyhow, we're going to continue. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant-quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef-to-you service delivering locally-sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman, with two N's, or enter the code Hartman, the two N's, before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity, and what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef-quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman, the two N's, or enter the code Hartman, the two N's, before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery.
When is America going to realize that Trump and his buddies have been and are continuing to work to destroy America? I, you know, specifically the most recent one I'm, I'm speaking of is, is Michael Flynn. Michael Flynn was Trump's national security advisor. Before that, he was high up in the Pentagon. He was a general in the, uh, in the military, I believe in the army, but I may be wrong. And over the weekend, somebody asked him at one of these QAnon events that he was speaking at, the guy said, you know, like the My Myanmar, uh, you know, can't we do something like they did in Myanmar? Well, let's be very clear about what they did in Myanmar. Myanmar, we, you know, the, uh, those of a certain age know of Myanmar as Burma, but it's over there in Southeast Asia. And on February 1st of this year, when the National League for Democracy, which is one of their political parties, the NLD, won the election. This is February 1st. They won the election. They were democratically elected. The military of Myanmar, it's called the Tadmadaw, rose up, arrested Aung San Suu Kyi and President Win Mint and State Counselor Aung San Suu Kyi put them in jail along with their ministers and their deputies and members of parliament, declared a year-long state of emergency and put themselves in charge of the government. Now, the reason that they used for doing this was election fraud. They said that the, uh, the results of the November 2020 election, I, I'm sorry, I, I had my dates wrong here. It was February 1st, 2021 when they did the uprising. The election was held in November of last year, November of 2020. And they said that this was uh, a fraudulent election. And therefore they were taking over and they were putting their guys in charge. And Mike Flynn was like, yeah, that's what should happen here. Now, since then, Liz Cheney has called him out, and since then, he's now saying, I never said that, although the video's out there, and you can see it. It's all over the Internet. It's easy to see. But at what point do Americans figure out that, you know, we are all on the receiving end of this big con? And not only that, with regard to Michael Flynn himself, let us not forget what Michael Flynn pled guilty to, what Michael Flynn initially lied to the FBI about, you know, conservatives, oh, yeah, Mike, Mike Flynn was uh, prosecuted for lying to the FBI. Well, that's true. What was he lying to the FBI about? The fact that he had taken, as I recall, $700,000 from Erdogan, the president of Turkey, to influence U.S. foreign policy. He was working for a foreign government, and then there's also rumors that he was also working for a Ukrainian or a Russian oligarch. He was working for a foreign government and possibly a foreign oligarch while he was national security advisor of the United States of America. You think that might have influenced, uh, say, for example, our response to the murder of Jamal Khashoggi? Well, that happened in Turkey. Do you think that might have influenced? I, I, actually, I shouldn't go through a list here of speculation. The point is he was working for a foreign government while he, and for the interests of a foreign government while he was helping run the United States government. That's called treason, or at least that's called being a traitor. Michael Flynn was convicted of being a traitor, and Donald Trump pardoned him 
And now he's saying that the military should just, you know, take control, overthrow, do your job, guys. Now, he's backing away from this, you know, as fast as he can, but it's what he said. But he's not the only one saying this. And this is increasingly infecting the Republican Party. And this is, you know, and frankly, I think that uh, with regard to Michael Flynn, I think you could say, and in fact, I'll, I'll pose this as a question. Is he still working for foreign governments? Is he still trying to bring down the government of the United States? Is he still trying to establish an authoritarian, essentially dictatorship here in the United States? A, you know, a right-wing right -wing strongman government? Is he still working to, to bring Trump back? By the way, there are reports that Trump is telling people down at Mar-a-Lago, his close friends, that he is telling them that he believes that when the results of the Arizona uncount are released and the Republicans in Arizona declare that Trump actually won Arizona and then the Republicans in Georgia declare that Trump actually won Georgia that sometime around August he's going to be put back into the White House as president just in time to stop the federal investigations into his crimes. You're listening to the Tom Hartman program. Call 202-808-9925. His tax fraud and his real estate fraud and his and all of his other frauds. He's he, he apparently thinks he's going to be president again. Dave in Federal Washington. Hey, Dave, what's on your mind today? Hey, not too much, Tom. Hey, yeah, these are complicated topics, okay? But let me tell you something about Mike Flynn and, like, Ted Cruz. Last week you mentioned, you know, the possibility of them wanting to create a white ethno state in America. Mm -hmm. But I think you may have left out the term non-secular, or maybe you don't consider it a real thing. Oh, it's a white Christian I, ethno state. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yes. And, and it's Ted ripping Cruz, through the white evangelical community, by the way, this ideology. Yes. And Ted Cruz has also parroted, you know, the old thing that I believe started at the Kremlin, that the American military is really suffering from this egalitarianism, okay, this false, this false liberal right. egalitarianism. Right. They, they and, started going and, off about that when, when it was mil women in the military and then, and then it, you know, gay people in the military. Now it's trans people in the military. You know, it, 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 this all goes back to that bizarre toxic masculinity, Dave. It does. And like I say, it gets into some really deep things. But let me just tell you the truth, all right, about something that's, that really is incontrovertible. Mike Flynn was director of the Defense Intelligence Agency. All right, Mike Flynn was my superior, like I told you before. Tom, there is no way I would be dumb enough to work for a foreign government without reporting it. There's absolutely no way Mike Flynn did not know to report his association with the government in Ankara. There's no way. Right. What it was is he just simply did, does not care. Now, where I'm speculating, all right, and also you've never gotten into the topic of irredentism, all right? The best example of irredentism is, is the nation state of Israel. You know, it's in a very old document called the Torah or the Old Testament. Okay, it is very clearly, explicitly laid out. 
that Israel is, you know, the Hebrew people, their homeland, okay? Whatever. I don't care what a person's opinion is of it. What I'm saying is a very powerful motivation. And this is what we're seeing in this ethnostate that you see. I, I don't know. Long story short, here's something you told me I'll never forget. You said, Dave, we should not confuse fascism with Nazism. I, that will forever be burned into my psyche, Tom, because I have this strange feeling. You know, there's a lot of things that can happen. Like, it's this association that I believe Ted Cruz and, and Mike Flynn and others have is extremely, extremely dangerous. And, and our democracy is in peril. I mean, I could see... I there, there are circumstances that can happen where people that we find very rational, you know, almost allies, if you will, might end up changing sides that could end up believing that the authoritarian way to go is, is in everybody's best interest. And I mean, all right, look. There's, there it's not just that, Dave. There is actually an international campaign to promote authoritarianism, and it gets no coverage at all. This was what the foreign trolls were pushing in 2016 and 2020. It's what they're all about. They're trying to tear down political parties. They're trying. This is happening in country after country, by the way. And a whole lot of it is being funneled through social media, particularly Facebook. But it's also, you know, I saw it on Twitter this weekend. If you post something nice, for example, just something generically nice about Joe Biden which I did on, on either Saturday or Sunday. You know, he had given a, what I thought was a pretty good speech. So I went on Twitter and I said, you know, it's great to have a president who's giving a speech that I can agree with. And, you know, he's talking about America as an idea, right? Which has been one of my big things for years and years. I wrote a book about it. So I, you know, I tweeted praising him. Out of the woodwork come first, what I presume are Russian trolls or Eastern European trolls saying, oh no, both parties are simply the same. I mean, this was the principal message of the Russian intervention in 2016. There were two principal messages. Number one, the Democrats and the Republicans are the same thing, so why even bother voting? That message was directed toward Demo white Democratic voters. And the number two one was directed toward black, largely Democratic voters, which was Hillary Clinton's super predator comments. Those are the two things, according to the Mueller report, that were being pushed like crazy on Facebook in 2016 and lacking the Hillary part in 2020 as well. And I'm telling you, you post something nice about Joe Biden on Twitter, and then what comes behind that are the people who are absolutely right that there is a fair amount of corruption in the Democratic Party. Sure. I mean, look at Joe Manchin, an ALEC alumni. You know, there are Democrats who are pretty crappy politicians and not, you know, not on our side, I think, generally speaking, or, or are on our side, but aren't really fully on our side, however you want to say it. But... That doesn't mean that the political parties are the same thing. That doesn't mean that they're, you know, that it's all, you know, it's all owned by, you know, it's just different oligarchs owning both. You know, no, there actually is a huge difference between the two political parties. But you get people who are, they have so completely embraced the idea of, and a lot of this goes back to the Hillary Bernie stuff, you know, in that time. So embrace the idea that the establishment isn't going to let, you know, genuine progressive, et cetera, et cetera. I think that that's kind of old thinking, but that is happening. And now I'm wandering all over the place, too, Dave, just like you were. Dave, thank you for the call. John in Center Ossipee, New Hampshire. Hey, John, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom. You mentioned the Supreme Court. You talked about Flynn, and we cannot forget that Flynn's brother is still in the military. Right, and he was on that phone call where they were deciding whether or not to go help out members of Congress uh, on January 6th. Correct, correct. And obviously he denied that. Right. Because the governor of Maryland was... It was begging headed. for it. Yeah, National Guard. Let me ready, bring my National Guard in. Yeah, they kept saying, no, 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 no. 
I, and, you know, uh, I didn't. I know very little about Flynn's brother in the military, other than the fact that you know he's a high official. He was on that phone call. Has there been any consequence to him for that? Or I mean, this is the point. It hasn't been investigated. We don't. We can't even say decisively that that phone call was part of an effort to overthrow the government. Yeah, that's the biggest problem. Without that, a, a thorough investigation, nothing's going to happen. Yeah. Those guys are going to walk free. Yeah. And we all know that. But yeah. uh, what's scary, I think, unless the United States gets a handle on these trolls, as you pointed out, with your um, tweet on Biden's speech, which was a great speech, by the way. He really uh, hammered down on democracy hard. Yeah. Unless the United States gets a, a grip on these trolls, whether you, they go through these social media companies and start cracking down on these. You know, China's already said, Russia's already said, their biggest obstacle in the world is democracy within the United States. Right, and if democracy falls in the United States, it's easier for it to fall all over the world. And, exactly. and, 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 and uh, you know, I'm with you on the trolls. It's, uh, this is a, uh, a major concern. I, I retweeted a guy this morning. I don't think he's a troll, but I think he's, he's being, well, actually, he was trying to engage in more of a conversation about neoconservatism and neoliberalism and the neoliberal turn of the Clinton administration. And I can't really argue against that. Uh, but yeah. this is not the time to be having that fight. The time to have that fight is when the Democrats are firmly in power. And right now, we've got a bigger battle. And that's, you know, you've got forces that literally want to bring down democracy in the United States. And they want it's to do scary. it. Go ahead. Yeah, it is too scary. It yeah, is scary as hell. John, thank you for the call. Carlos in Carson, California. Carlos, it says here you disagree with me about what? Gun control. Listen. Okay. Gun control makes people vulnerable to government control, government dictatorship. Let me cite you a few historical examples. Paul Pop in Cambodia confiscated guns before he went on to kill two million Cambodians. And I met a lot of Cambodians here in Long Beach, California, who tell me the horror stories. Yeah, there were very few guns in Cambodia, Carlos, and Pol Pot didn't actually start with gun owners. He started with people who were educated. The first people of Pol Pot rounded up were people who wore glasses. If you know how to read, you were in trouble in Cambodia. Pol Pot tried to do what the French Revolution tried to do in the 1790s. He reset the calendar at the year zero declared himself the founder of the Cambodian race. Uh, I put that in quotes. This has nothing to do with gun control whatsoever. And I don't know where you're pulling, you know, what weird little corner of the Internet you're pulling that from, but it's BS. Next example. Idi Amin confiscated guns before he went on to kill three thousand. He did not, Carlos. Carlos, in 1979 and 1980, I worked in Uganda during the Civil War. I was, I was running or helping run a refugee camp in Mbali in Uganda. We had 10,000 people from the Ketamoja tribe just north of there who were starving to death as a result of what happened there. There were no guns to begin with. The Ketamajong were nomadic people who principally drank blood and milk from their cattle. They did not have guns. They did not have a military. It wasn't Idi Amin, by the way, who took over the country and slaughtered people. It was the Tanzanians to the south who invaded the country to kick out Idi Amin. And it was when Idi Amin's men fled through the north. And I was there a month after this happened. 
And it was when Idi Amin's men fled through the north. They raped every woman they could find. They killed as many of the men as they could. The vast majority of the people that we had in the camp that we were running with the Red Cross and the woman with the Red Cross who was actually running the camp, her name was Anne. She was an Irish Red Cross nurse. She was shot in the head a week after I left by a sniper. But those people were, that was Idi Amin's army. A civilian population, no matter how well armed it is, cannot stand up to an army. The Jews in Poland couldn't stand up to the Wehrmacht. The Karamajong in Uganda could not stand up to Amin's army when they were fleeing, by the way. Amin's army couldn't stand up to the Tanzanians who were better armed. The Cambodians couldn't stand up to Pol Pot's army. You will never find an example, to the best of my knowledge, where a, quote, armed populace. You had people try it in the United States. You look up Bacon's Rebellion sometime. It was poor whites and blacks who got together and said, okay, we're going to take on George Washington's army. You can't find an example of people using guns to stop a, quote, tyrannical government. It doesn't work. You want to stop a tyrannical government? Stop it from being tyrannical. You have to use political means. All you do when you distribute massive numbers of guns among the people is you have massive numbers of suicides, childhood deaths, accidental deaths, mass murders, and people committing multiple homicides with guns instead of singular homicides with knives. Carlos, you're living and breathing a fantasy world. Not only that, none of the founders ever you will not find a single reference anywhere in the founding documents of this country to the Second Amendment being there so that we could fight a tyrannical government. Never, never, ever. The Second Amendment was there for two reasons. Number one, because there was a huge debate among the founders about whether we should even have an army during time of peace. They thought the state militias like Switzerland did up until just the last 20 years, like they did for hundreds of years. The cantons should be, uh, the, the states should be armed. And they wanted to protect the slave patrols in Georgia, South Carolina, and Virginia. Carlos, back to you. Okay. Hitler confiscated guns also. They serve as no. parents. At least Hitler actually Hitler actually passed out guns, Carlos. Hitler started the Hitler Youth Program. I don't know where I, I'm forgetting the name. I lived My in Germany for a year, Carlos. I knew a bunch of these Nazis. I, you know, I read the rise and fall of the Third Reich. I'm telling you, Hitler started a program called the Hitler Youth, and one of the major things of the Hitler Youth was teaching gunmanship, how to fire guns. Hitler was arming people. The only exception was you couldn't get armed if you had been identified, and this was all post-1934. You couldn't get armed if you had been identified as a communist or a Jew. At that, I mean, you had people in the Warsaw Ghetto who tried to fight back against the Nazis with weapons. And the Wehrmacht came in with tanks, with machine guns, with belt machine guns that would fire 50, 100 rounds at a time and just mowed them down. These examples, Carlos, these are pathetic. These are the kind of pathetic made-up stories that, in fact, it was a 17-year-old. Back in 1974, there was an article in The Rifleman, which was the NRA's magazine. That was the first time that anybody can document that anybody made a serious argument in any publication in the United States that the founders of the United States wanted the Second Amendment so that people could fight against a tyrannical government. It was a lie then. It got adopted by the NRA. It's being promoted by the weapons manufacturers and very well-paid toadies in the Republican Party. But it was a lie then and it's a lie now. Listen, 
I'd rather I have my guns when the progressive communist revolutions break out and you got all these vandals trying to come into my home, trying to take it over. Man, during the well, that's a whole completely thing. issue, Carlos. You know, okay. if there's a guy who's broken into two houses, you know, not in my immediate neighborhood, but within three blocks of, of where I live. Yeah, I, you know, I can see having a gun for self-defense. I'm not opposed to that. But that's a whole different thing from these people who are piling up 15 AR-15s in their back room and, and 5,000 rounds of ammunition because they think somehow they're going to heroically stop the government from Joe Biden giving everybody health insurance. All these gradual gun legislation will eventually lead to total gun confiscation. Look, look what know. happens in Chicago. In Chicago, the outlaws have the guns, and that's the murder rate capital of the world, of the world by guns, and guns are allowed there. In Chicago, the outlaws have the guns because in Indiana, right across the border, five minutes across the border, in fact, the vast majority of the guns that are seized in Chicago were sold in Indiana. You go right, literally, right across the border, and uh, somebody called up the other day onto this program to say, no, no, that's not true, and I got literally dozens of emails, text messages, tweets from people saying, no, not text messages, tweets from people saying, I live in Indiana. Here's the names of the gun stores. In fact, one guy sent me a Google map. 15 gun stores right along the Indian, right along the Illinois border. The, yeah, you want to get guns out of the hands of criminals? Let's start licensing guns. Let's start insuring guns. Let's start registering guns. But let's stop, you know, selling guns to anybody who wants to just walk into a gun store in Indiana just because they're illegal in Chicago. Give me an argument that works. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. The closest I can come to that is, you know, somebody who is well-trained, well-prepared, careful, thoughtful, perhaps having a gun self-defense in their home. That's it. Margie in Wisconsin Rapids, Wisconsin, you wanted to talk about the Andrew Brown press conference. I caught a part of that, and it sounds like basically uh, they're saying, yeah, yeah, shoot the guy in the back, no big deal. He was a drug dealer, don't you know? Oh, it's more horrific than that. Tell me about it. You want a comparison to the Republican Party? Take a look at them being able to storm the Capitol and walk away and have people call them a bunch of peaceful tourists staying within the stanchions and then watch the video that was shown of the execution of this person, which the DA is refusing to make any charges. Five cops armed to the hilt, plus two others, jumping out of the back of a pickup truck, storming up to this guy, screaming profanities, him trying to back away, and that's justification for his murder. And the DA actually did say that any vehicle is a weapon, deadly weapon. Yeah. So that if you are sitting in a vehicle, the cops have perfect right to murder you. Right, because you have control of a deadly weapon, just like they have control of a gun. The logic in this is obscene. Another example, you had the white guy who was one of the guys who stormed the Capitol, who was told that he couldn't have guns anymore, and he's on home rest. 
and he goes out and he kills a mountain lion, you know, 140 pound mountain lion, and, and posts it on Facebook, like, look at me, how proud I am. I have my gun back. I mean, this is white privilege on parade, right? Black guy dealing drugs who's like, you know, <laughs> running away. It's crazy. They were in there to murder him. Yes. Watch the video of them getting out oh, of It looks like an vehicle. execution. Yeah, I agree. I it's absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. I'm with you, Margie. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Michael in Fallbrook, California. Hey, Michael, what's up? Yes, I want to make two points. One, I'm an adjunct professor, and I'm also a federal agent in the federal government. I won't say which one. But I have a point. I teach public administration, and I teach master-level courses, and the amount of education that I have to give the students on basic civics. And remember, they're learning about public administration. They're administering in the United States. These are college students. These are college students, master level college students. I'm an adjunct professor, master level and undergraduate level college students, and I've seen the same theme across the board. As far as my experience as a federal agent, one of the things that has been occurring in the federal government, and I can tell you, I work in the agency that deals with security clearances and getting people clearances in the government. And what we have noticed is, yes, and we have implemented this process called continuous evaluation, which basically means I am subject to evaluation of my clearance on a continuous basis. I have my credit run on over. It used to be every five years because I have a top-secret STI clearance. But now it's almost all the time. They run my criminal checkbacks on me regularly, and they do clearance financial line, Michael. I think that's something we should institute for police across the board. I'm with you. I'm absolutely with you. Uh, yes, that, that is brilliant. Michael, thank you. Brilliant points. John in uh, Warsaw, Wisconsin. Hey, John, what's on your mind? Uh, quick to the point to our conversation last week about the smaller sort of libertarian extremist front groups that are popping up in local mm-hmm. places across the country. I got to thinking about it, and it seems like what we're seeing is the Tea Party never dissolved. 
it was the great rallying around false grievance, and it was a big flag that everybody mm-hmm. could run to. And then so it, people thought it kind of went away, and of course there's still these, you know, the movement's still there. Well, what it did was diversify. And so now you have a guerrilla warfare type situation where you have cells operating across the country in different locations, different cities, different counties, still funded, still strategized by the same exact people that were running the whole Tea Party movement. Right, the old Coke network, yeah. Yep, exactly. So they've really adopted some interesting warfare strategies as far as if one group goes down, the rest are still intact. Right. They have diversified to a level that is absolutely mind-boggling from what I've been able to look at. Oh, there's hundreds of these groups all across the country. And, you know, not not only do they have, you know, think tanks in every single state, these so-called state policy centers, then they have lobbying groups in every state, and then they've got ALEC, you know, uh, operating. I mean, it's just, it's insane, John, how how extensively these right-wing billionaires have gotten their claws into our democracy. Allison, Peekskill, New York. Hey, Alice, what's up? Thank you so much for discussing civics education. That is such an important topic. But I wanted to talk about, as a black American, and I'm not an African American, I have Irish, German, Cherokee, Lumbee, and African roots. I am an actual American who happens to be black. People like Obama are African Americans, and that's one thing. But as a black American, American, uh, you've frequently discussed the Republican agenda and how, again, they managed to destroy civics education, how they ultimately get their agenda done. And having seen what they've done on January 6th, flying, you know, walking around with the Confederate flag. They're not going to stop. No. What do you think is their end point? I mean, and what is supposed to happen to me? When Trump first took office, and I'm in northern Westchester, white men gave me a look like I should have gone up in a puff of smoke. People here have Trump flags, Blue Lives Matter flags. I'm five minutes from where the Robeson riots were. Wow. And those people are still around and some even still fly have a confederate flag that they fly well to specifically answer your question alice assuming it was not rhetorical what they're after i'm curious because i really want to know what you think is yeah what they're after is a return of the confederacy and that's why they use confederate iconography the confederacy around 1820 basically stopped being even resembling a democracy with the rise of the oligarchs, and this was largely the result of the invention of the cotton gin, which was a very expensive contraption that only the big plantations could afford, it made them f- literally 50 times more efficient than the small farmers. So over about a 30, 40 year period there, between 1820 and 1850, the entire South came to be dominated by about 1,500 families who owned the economy and owned the politics. It was a white ethnostate fascist ethnostate, anybody who was not white had absolutely no power, and even poor whites had very little power. And that's what they're trying to return America to. They see that as their ideal. 
Are we a little bit like that? I mean, when yes. you see how the corporate farms have taken over, you know, and, and you go and to how know, certain places and all you see is Monsanto signs, for instance. Yeah, no, I, you know, we are a little bit like that. And frankly, I, I would think that the way that we police, particularly the way the police interact with black people in this country, is an indication of that, that, you know, the South still lives. Our, our, a lot of our policing came out of the old slave patrols. What this will is, happen to me? <laughs> well, this is, uh, you know, this is why we're all fighting to have pluralistic, egalitarian countries so that so that you and you as a as a black person, me as a liberal, we can live in this country also. Moselle in Tacoma. Hey, Moselle, what's up? I guess my grudge is my disappointment in the churches dealing with the issues that are going on now, especially within the black church. I was expecting to see more and more leaders of the faith to be out there supporting Black Lives Matter. I expected more black leaders and, you know, reverends in the black church just uh, itself to be more I thought more that kind of support of was quite widespread, Moselle. Did I? And what it is is if they're maybe televised, if they're high profile, then yes. But I'm talking about in the sense of the ones that are not really on TBN. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're very silent. They're actually quite on the very side of right. You had a whole bunch of people in the black church that actually voted for Trump, no matter all the stuff that came out about him. And they voted for him again because of abortion issues Mm. or they didn't feel a a woman should be in a place of leadership. They decided to apply their doctrine beliefs onto that. They're anti-vaccine. They feel it's the mark of the beast. Are you speaking from personal experience? Are you talking about a, a black church that you attend, or is are you reading about uh, well, this? They're members of the church that I used to attend to. They are refusing to get the vaccine. They're refusing to talk about, they seem like, well, maybe Trump would have been better. We have a lot of black people who have actually have migrated from the East Coast to the South who are now taking on that right-wing agenda. Oh um, I don't want my taxes paying for abortion. And the East Coast never owned a gun, now owns several guns living in the South. It's a weird mentality. They like to go ahead and bring up the Tuskegee Airmen um, mm-hmm. as their excuse for not getting the vaccination. The you'll hear men, yeah. you'll, they'll ask for the tithes and offering. You know, they'll tell you not to commit sin, but they will not tell you to go out and vaccinate <laughs> That's very, you know? very strange. You know, there was a there was a concerted effort by the uh, Russian trolls during the 2020 and 2016 campaigns to target the black community, to, to target African-Americans, specifically with the mention, you know, in the case in the 2016 campaign, with uh, these videos of Hillary with her super predator comment. And I wonder if that targeting of that community is still ongoing. You know, by countries outside the United States who would like to see us fail. I don't know, but Mazel, thanks. Thanks for the call. It's fascinating and kind of sad. I mean, you know, I can tell you stories about crazy in the white church, too. Anyway, RJ in Greenville, Michigan. Hey, RJ, what's on your mind today? If the Republicans are so afraid to do the right thing because their lives are being threatened, then the rest of us are all on the endangered list. Yeah. Okay. So I think that that's means we lesson. need to be prepared to defend ourselves, okay? Now, I believe that our best defense is a good offense. I think we need to shine the light of day on these vampires. What do you think of the idea of having the Democrats reinstate the Committee on Un-American Activities? How about using the Joe McCarthy approach to investigate this unholy alliance between the Republicans, their PACs, and the Russians? Wow. 
Well, and not just the Russians. I mean, they're in bed with the well, Saudis. Yeah. They're in bed with the with hard yeah. right in Israel. They, they're in they, bed with. They have made a deal with the devil, and the only way the American people are actually going to see that they have made this deal is to put it to the light of day. And if you think about how effective, dangerously effective, Joe McCarthy was to the Democratic Party and the labor union movement, liberals in general, if we could do the same thing to them, we could knock them back into the Stone Age because we did nothing wrong. Are yeah. very, very little. A few well, and people decided they were part of the Communist Party, which was their right. Right, and what's so ironic is uh, HUAC, uh, you know, the House on American Activities Committee, the HUAC, was started out of the hysteria that there were communists in the State Department. And I don't know if John Stormer's book, Down Dare Call of Treason, preceded or followed the House on American Activities Committee, but, you know, uh, Joe McCarthy was the chairman in the Senate, and Bobby Kennedy was counsel yes, yes. to that committee. Bobby friggin' Kennedy was their head lawyer, you know, for a while. And they were actually seriously looking into the possibility that the Soviet Union, which represented, they believed, an existential threat to the United States, and a, a lot of Americans of, of good conscience believed that, whether that foreign country was infiltrating, had infiltrated the labor unions, the State Department, the, you know, fill in the blanks. And, and then McCarthy just took it in all these wacky direction and turned it into crazy town because basically the Russians hadn't infiltrated anything. They had a few spies right, here, but that right. was about it. And even the uh, Julius Nethel Rosenberg thing was, you know, that was, uh, you know, Donald Trump's old buddy, the lawyer whose name is escaping me right uh, now. Cohen. Roy Cohn, yeah. You know, who was also involved with that committee. Let me think about that, R.J., and let me do a little research into the history wasn't, of that, because I think you might um, be onto something. Wasn't there also a committee, partial committee or something, formed after the attempted coup on Roosevelt? There was, and Roosevelt yeah. shut that down after three weeks. Yeah. They held hearings for either two or three weeks, and Roosevelt shut it down because it was getting highly politicized, and he also was concerned that they might actually trigger another movement to assassinate him or to kidnap him as Smedley Butler was hired to do, or they tried to hire him to do. RJ, let me look into this, and uh, thank you for uh, getting the brain cells going. Bill, New Rochelle, New York. Hey, Bill, you've got the last minute of the show. What's on your mind today? How you doing, Tom? I was just wondering if there's any way that these states that are suppressing the vote all around the country, if there's any way that Congress can stop them from participating, especially in the Electoral College, if they're suppressing the vote. There is no law that I know of that would facilitate that. H.R. 1, the For the People Act, now it's Senate Bill 1, SB 1, would eliminate most of the vote suppression tactics that they're using. It would outlaw most of those tactics and would guarantee a universal right to vote in the process or, you know, it's a kind of one and the same. There's not a way to kick them out, basically, of the Electoral College or prevent their votes from being counted. There well, is a way. Them out of the United States, either, right? There's, there's <laughs> well, no. Uh, it's, it's, they can secede, but we can't toss them, right? That's true. That's true. And even secession is pretty much never going to happen. I mean, America has become sufficiently left-right integrated, and, and you know, I mean, there's there are secession movements in New Hampshire and Oregon and California, in Texas, active for years and years and years, and they're still, you know, broadly considered a joke. Uh, Bill, thanks for the call. Interesting question. Thanks so much for being with us today. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place, same studio. <laughs> God willing. Knock wood. 
And in the meantime, don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. It starts with you getting involved, getting active, participating in our democracy. There's a lot on the line right now. We need your help. Spread the good word. Tag, you're it. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. 